Again, Happy New Year as we enter into the third hour of the podcast today. A big New Year's resolution should be use your gift cards. Please use your gift cards. Boy, I got an article coming up in just a second and you'll see why. Welcome to Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. I'm your host, Scott Cates, coming to you live from the Northeast Georgia mountains and the tiny town of Tiger. We are currently into this two hours down, gone by quickly in our third hour now as we begin to talk about a few things um, that have to do with how do we combat all the things we've been talking about over the last three hours. Well, we can talk about that in just a second. One of the things that's on my mind right this right this second was an article that I just read not that long ago about gift cards. And I this is something you really need to... Uh, it's called The Secret Life of Gift Cards. This was a Newsmax article, and it's a really kind of an interesting article. And uh, it starts out by saying gift cards make great stocking stuffers just as long as you don't stuff them in a drawer and forget about them after the holidays, which guilty a lot of times. Some of them get thrown out. It's really kind of amazing. Um, it, I, and this is on my mind because of the fact that someone had given me a gift certificate. I'll tell you about that in a second. Americans are expected to spend nearly 30 billion 30 billion dollars on gift cards this holiday season most of those gift cards will be redeemed about 70 percent of all gift cards are used within six months but tens of billions of dollars worth of them wind up forgotten or otherwise unused tens of billions of dollars that's when things get a little bit more complicated um, after clothing, gift cards will be the most popular present in the holiday season, but many will remain unspent. Gift cards uh, get lost or forgotten, and recipients hang on to them for special occasions. But usually, for me, I, you know, usually what happens is, is that at the end of a year, gift cards like your Visa gift card, MasterCard gift cards, whatever, things like that, American Express gift cards, they, they actually begin to they start to accrue a fee at the end of a year. And so they sort of expire, and they expire, and they start just hammering them with fees by the end of a year. Um, the average value of unused gift cards uh, is about $187 per person. So um, that's a total of about $23 billion left unspent in gift cards. Just want you to know. Some states... If you don't spend your gift cards, um, there's a few states, one or two, I think, that basically at this point can, will come and try to pursue the people that that you know bought the gift cards so they can give them their money back. There's a law that states that, but most states don't do that. Uh, and so um, Visa or MasterCard starts accruing inactivity fees if they're not used for a year. It eats away at their value. Um, and so basically this article is telling you that gift cards are not the best option. Uh, it's uh, very interesting to me as I look uh, at this. I was, I was talking with a friend about this not long ago about, man, gift cards. What about all those things that are just not redeemed or they expire? And uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, and so really companies like Starbucks, uh, yeah. The bottom line is, as far as the loss, they call that, they, you know, these companies call this, uh, there's a term for it called breakage. And this breakage term, they, they're looking forward to the fact because that's revenue they don't have to give out. I mean, it's revenue they get that they, they don't have to give anything back for. It's just free money. Uh, in 2022, for Starbucks just alone, just Starbucks, that one place alone, they uh, they made $212 million in gift cards that were uh, unredeemed. So $212 million in gift cards that were unredeemed just for Starbucks. That We're talking coffee here, folks. $212 million they made in free money, basically. Uh, it's interesting. So this article that I read about gift cards, so I'm, I'm telling you that to redeem your gift cards as quickly as you possibly can. Now, I did do something this year that I thought was... I, there was a restaurant that uh, we'd gotten a gift certificate to from uh, in, uh, some folks, and uh, and I'd held on to it. And my wife uh, was looking uh, at it. She said, you know, they're gonna, this is going to expire here in the next couple of days. 
I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. And I kind of waited and waited and waited and waited until the very last day. So it actually expired on Christmas Eve would be the day. And so on December the 23rd, I had to get something from this restaurant. So I did. I went to the restaurant to go get something to pick up from there. Didn't want to necessarily go in on the 23rd of December. I just wanted to go in. And that evening, I went to go pick it up. And when I went to pick it up, it was a $50 gift card. And when I went to pick it up, the lady that owned the place looked at the gift card. And when she looked at the gift certificate, and when she saw that it was expiring in one day, she rolled her eyes and she looked at me and she tore that card up in front of my face with such disgust. Like, you you know, like, and, and she threw it and she handed me my food like, good grief. You know, well, I thought, wow. Because even breakage for her little organization meant that if I'd have waited one more day, they wouldn't have had to give out $50 worth of food. Made me think about that. Maybe start really thinking about what we do with that. I think from now on, I'd rather give cash. I really would. Or, or just write someone a check. I've discovered that if I'm going to use a gift card online, when you, when you go to use, when you go to a retail store and you walk in, you got $50 in a gift card, you can actually apply $50 on that gift card. But in so many places, you can't do that. If you get, if you go to a restaurant with a MasterCard, a lot of times, or a Visa, a lot of times, if you get within, say, 20% of the bill, and you hand them that gift card, it'll get declined because they're expecting that you're going to pay a tip with that card. And boy, that's frustrating. I've had that happen before, too. So it, there are a lot of hoops you have to jump through with a MasterCard and a Visa gift card. And those, when you jump through those hoops like that, you're actually losing money. So on a $100 gift card, if you spend $70 with it, there's 30% money lost there in that. I'd just rather not do that for folks. I'd just rather not be... That much of a headache for folks. and But it's a big industry because people don't know what to buy someone else. And I get that. I do. So, there you go. Here's my two cents on uh, gift cards for the year. Your New Year's, Revo- <laughs> New Year's resolution should be, if you haven't spent your gift cards yet, do it. Come on, do it. Get out there. It's a gift given to you. And it declines with every day that you don't. And the chances of you using it gets less and less or losing it get greater when you don't. And just a word about gift cards today. Let's talk about the things we've been talking about over the last couple of hours. Things going on in America, the decline of um, cognitive reasoning because of the fact that uh, we are overstimulating the entertainment part of our brain and not the reasoning part of our brain, how that's being underdeveloped in the lives of children, what's bombarding them. We've talked about what in the world is going on and what exactly do we do to get beyond some of those things? Well, one of the things I think is necessary, and this is key, I think, for all of us. One of the things I've realized over the last couple of years uh, physical exercise is important it is i know we're talking 2024 and we've got new year's resolutions and to be honest with you for the month of december i didn't go to the gym i just spent I, not not as much i was running um i was running uh, 5k three times a week and and had gone back to doing that as well enjoying that but i just didn't for the month of december i took a break from that for most of the month of december about three weeks out of it i'll have to go back and i'll lose i'll lose some of the weight abilities that I had to be able to lift in the gym and I'll lose the ability to run the distance that I have even just over three weeks. I know part of that will be what I've consumed. Good grief. Holiday food. Somebody take it away from me, man. Holiday food. I've never felt more terrible in my life in some moments than eating some holiday food. What is in that stuff? I'm not sure, but it'll take a toll on you, but I'm telling you at the end of the holidays, I was ready for it to go. I'm ready, ready to start. I'm, I miss the healthy, sort of living healthy. I do. And by the way, there is a cost to living healthy. I'm also talking uh, with one of my friends talking about the fact that it costs a lot to eat clean. It, it costs a lot to eat healthy. It's not cheap to do that. And so doing that, it, it takes some effort. And it also takes being creative. If you're like me, and uh, you know, you don't you, you don't bring in a lot of uh, of revenue, but you bring in just enough. You have to be creative in what you're doing, which helps your reasoning abilities. That's pretty good. And by the way, the healthier that you eat, 
Um, the better your mind works, the better your body feels, the more energy that you have, all of those things. Now, I realize I'm talking like a senior adult here, you know, in some ways as I talk about this, because this is what you seem to talk about. You know, you're at some point, I listen to people talk sometimes, oh, my God, this pain over here and that kind of thing. I get it. I understand. And I know some of you are that know me well are like, aren't you getting up on that at, at this point? You know, we'll talk about that at some other time. But right this second, I'm just telling you what I've discovered in my life and the people that are around me, what we've discovered. We've discovered that we feel better when we eat better. We actually get out and do something and we get at the tasks at hand. Over the last four years, I've realized something that is as the pandemic came and we were sort of closed up. There were a lot of things that were left undone. And I think in many people's worlds, there were things that were left undone. I believe 2024 is going to be the year where we put all that behind us and we got the things done that we've always needed to do. Where we put things behind us that needed to be put behind us and we literally moved ahead to move ahead to things that needed to be accomplished or done. We put away the things that seriously take away from our lives and put into our lives the things that are going to enhance them. That's important. Now, am I talking about health, wealth, and prosperity? That's not necessarily what I'm saying to you. No. Am I trying to tell you, I hear these words, all the, oh, there are toxic people in my life. I don't believe in that either, to be honest with you. Yes, I believe that sometimes there are personalities that we get with. It's some moments that are, you know, that are, are we working with them is a challenge. There's no doubt. In all of our lives, we have that. But the whole idea of toxic, 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 I'm so tired of that word. So, so beyond tired of that word. It's a phrase coined to stay away from so many different things that I often believe God uses in our life to literally hone away at us in ways to make us better. And we just keep putting them off. Ladies and gentlemen, it isn't about your life being perfect and fantastic and wonderful. It's about being able to endure, even through difficult and rough and tough moments. And by the way, can I say this? The people that stick with you and stick around with you in the rough and tough moments and stay by your side and love you through moments when you just aren't lovable, they're precious to have. They really are. And you are to them. Boy, if 2024, if I was going to say anything to you, learn how to apply some grace. Be a graceful person. Develop some compassion and have some love in ways that are amazing. This is important, I think. I have an article that's sitting in front of me right now. We were talking about cognitive decline in the first hour. What's the answer to that? There is, honestly, there is an answer. And there is. An amazing article written on December 5th, how gratitude improves inflammation, sleep, and overall mental health. One more time, how mindset actually does matter, how gratitude improves inflammation, sleep, and mental health. It says researchers say that the transformative power of gratitude holds increasing importance as mental health in the current culture declines. Pessimism and negativity are notorious downers, making you about as welcome as a party at a party as a skunk at a garden soldiery. But recent research implies that these killjoy mentalities may wreak havoc far beyond simply dulling our social lives. And it goes on. Talks about how gratitude lowers inflammation. And it talks about the people with that that have a higher uh, have higher that that have more gratitude in their life and appreciation, experience longer quality of sleep. It improves their mental health. 19% of adults in 2015 reported being depressed. In 2023, 30% of adults report being depressed. The mental health crisis worsens. It's worsened over a period of eight years at this point. 
Acts of gratitude can be used as a therapeutic complement for treating anxiety and depression and can increase positive feelings and emotions in the general population. This is what research has discovered. Negative thought patterns such as worry brings about depression and a decline in health over time. How do we become more grateful? Recommendations in this article say making lists of things that you're grateful for. Family, friends, activities. Just the fact that you have a job. Take up the art of writing thank you notes and helping others as well. Attitude must be practiced proactively. And if you'll do that, it will grow. Gratitude's a light expression, not necessarily conditioned to good times. You're just not grateful because you feel good or someone's made you feel good. You're grateful for the good experiences and the bad. I remember one year I was talking to a deacon in the church. We were actually in a prayer meeting in the deacon in the church, and he prayed this prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the prayers that are even unanswered. Because if you'd have answered those prayers that had never gone or been as effective as them going and answered because when your will was far greater than what I thought for their lives, it was a powerful prayer, and he was grateful for that. Genuine true love, as we're talking about that, there's a heart of gratefulness that comes with it. The people that we have in our lives. With gratitude comes grace in so many different ways. Grace comes in a way it, for us that's important. Gratitude allows us, genuine love and gratitude allows us to overlook offenses in ways we never thought. And forgiveness applied is amazing, really. Gratitude keeps us from defining people on their worst days. Well, look at that person. Did you see the way that they, and because they had a moment where they were weak and difficult, we define them for the rest of their lives like that. That they'll always be weak and difficult. That's just simply not the truth. Everyone has a bad day. No one wants to be known for the rest of their lives by it. Guaranteed. Gratitude says even in your bad days, and even with the fact that I faced bad days, even though this was a difficult day maybe, or you brought difficulty to my day. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I love you less. But even the difficulty that we went through together today, I'm still grateful that you're in my life. And I thank God you're in it. There's something about gratitude that does something to our mental health and our mental stability that's amazing. With faith comes gratitude. And it's important Grateful for the fact that we have Christ in our lives. Now, this is where we start heading down a road that you need to be aware of that's important. Because at the core of gratefulness and the core of this gratitude, you'll find joy. Because the joyful heart is almost always grateful. Happiness is based on circumstances and things. But joy, joy comes in even the most difficult of moments. And you'll find at the heart of the joyful person, you'll find the one that's grateful. I've been in Psalm 63. I've been in this search in Psalm 63. And Psalm 63 says this, Oh God, you are my God. There are a lot of reasons why people go to church, and they are. People go to church often to be entertained. People go to church because they're going to hear an entertaining story sometimes. People go to church because it makes them feel good. People go to church, and 
But how many go to church actually truly expecting to find Jesus in the midst? As the scripture is clear that where two or three are gathered together there, I will be also is what Jesus said. How many of us go to church expecting to find, come expecting Jesus to meet us in that place? And how many of us start our days? How many of us it's important enough, really? Because in this psalm, he says, Hear my God, early I will seek you. He's talking about time of day. He's talking about the fact that he's so excited that the first person that he wants to seek as he wakes up is God. How many of you are so excited that the first part of your day to wake up to Jesus that this is the person that you want to talk to more than anything else and the person that you want to hear from more than anything else. Now, let me say this, that to maintain that attitude 24-7 all the time, living in a sinful state that we're in, it's next to an impossibility in moments, especially when we're tired, especially when things aren't going the way that we think they ought to be going in our lives, especially when we're taking control of, of our own lives, especially when we've been reaching for the darkness trying to find light as we still continue to reach for the darkness. It's not going to work that way. It isn't. Because God is light in the scripture. In 1 John says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So the truth is you got to be reaching for the light. you got to want to find Jesus. It isn't a, it isn't a want about feeling better and it isn't a want about Having something done, it's got, there's got to be a want to find Jesus. Early, early I will seek you. He gets up early. I love early morning moments with Jesus, I do. And by the way, I'm not really a morning person. I know people think I am in moments now, but I've spent my whole entire life, up until I was about 50 years old, I was not a morning person at all. I could sleep in all hours of the day. And I had been that way ever since I'd been a baby. I hated mornings with a passion. Didn't really care to get up and face those. Didn't want to. Wasn't my thing. It really wasn't. I loved late nights. I loved being out looking at the stars. I loved watching the sunset. I did. Still do. Love being out looking at the stars and the heavens. They're amazing. Love being up late nights. I think sometimes my mind is more alert late nights than ever. Never in a million years imagined I would be a morning person. But I've become one. I became one on, for a number of reasons. If I was going to run, I needed to do it early in the morning. I, didn't, I felt like I wouldn't have the energy to do so later on in the day. And I found if I try to do that after a workout, run after a workout, it isn't going to happen. So the very first thing I decided to do was I was going to get up literally between 4 and 4.30 in the morning and run. So that's what I did. I decided I would get up between 4 o'clock and 4.30 in the morning and go and run. And I did. I put my headphones on and I listened to music as I ran. Listened to music that praised God as I ran. My average runs about 30 minutes. So I wake up at 4. By 4.30, I'm usually back. Got a cup of coffee. And I'm sitting down with the word of God. And that's where Jesus comes to life. I've already run, so my mind is ready. I'm ready for God. And to be honest with you, I feel like now if I don't have those moments with him, I'm really missing. I begin to miss the time with Jesus and the time in his word. Some of you will say, well, that's because you're a preacher. And that's what, mm -mm, it isn't that. I promise it isn't. I truly miss Jesus. Early I will seek you. And then it says my soul thirsts for you. I begin to look at the word thirst. What does that actually mean? What does it take for a man to thirst? It's got to have been without water or something that is thirst quenching for quite some time. What does it take for me to thirst as an individual? What does it take for you to thirst as an individual? That's the question. If I ask that question of you today, it's not something you just make yourself do. You can say, well, gee, I really like to drink a Coke or whatever. Or I'd really like to have a bottle of water or whatever. In that moment, what does it take to get you so parched that you 
thirst. I mean, you earnestly just thirst. And then what does it take to get your soul to the point where you thirst for God? The soul has the ability to thirst in a way that is amazing. It can thirst for the presence of someone else. Did you know that? Your soul can thirst for the presence of someone else. If you love someone dearly, and I mean truly love them, your soul will thirst. Your soul will thirst to be in the presence of that person, whoever it might be. What does it take for us, for our soul to thirst for Jesus? Have you ever prayed for that to happen? Lord, I'm not saying to pray to Jesus and say, Lord, my soul thirsts for you when that's not the case. I mean, Lord, cause my soul to thirst for you. One of the prayers I'm praying for 2024 in my own personal life is this. Lord, give me a love for you like I've never known. Lord, help my soul to thirst for you in ways I've never known. Lord, help your word come to life in my life in ways that I've never known. These are prayers I'm praying for 2024. I genuinely want this. Does anyone else? Then it says, my flesh longs for you. My flesh longs for you. What does it take for the flesh to long? Well, the flesh to long means that you've been in the presence of someone else and you felt the touch of someone else. And because you felt the touch of someone else, you've been in the presence of someone else, you long to get back to be with them and to their touch or to have them literally touch you. There's something about that that's amazing. My flesh is sinful, and it is. There's no doubt about that. But there's something. Longing for the touch of Jesus Christ. My flesh longs for you. And it says, in a dry and thirsty land. I'm telling you what, nothing new under the sun. I can look out there and tell you, you and I both can look out there and see. There's nothing new. Not one thing under the sun that is brand new at this point. There isn't. It's the same old stuff, regurgitated, repackaged, maybe new ways of inventing evil, which is tiresome in so many ways. We're in a dry and thirsty land. The scary part about that is we settle for reaching for the things of darkness so often. We settle for just being settled with things of darkness that we can have, things that are not eternal. We settle for that. We don't need to. We just don't. We need to settle our hearts and our minds and our thoughts on the things that are eternal. It's important that you understand that. And when I look around and you look around at me and I look at you and we look around at the things that are eternal, I can tell you this much. God's word is eternal. Time with Jesus, those are eternal things. And time with each other, those are the things that matter. We spent so much time at Christmas chasing around the things that really didn't matter. We're not taken with us into eternity. When what really mattered, what really mattered more than anything else was the time that we spent with each other. These things matter. We're in a dry and thirsty land that is searching for things that are not eternal. We need to be searching for the things that are. In a place where there is no water. Boy, it's hard right now. I hear this story all the time. People searching to find absolute truth in places all across the country. Where will I find truth? Where can I go? Where can I go to a place that's preaching truth? I hear it all the time. There's no water. What parts of truth that might be being preached are being watered down by culture? being watered down like crazy. I just saw this past week where the Catholics are, the Catholic Church at this point is now all of a sudden going to say, well, we'll give you the ability to sanction homosexual unions or whatever. My goodness, come on, seriously. Somebody stay with the path and God's word. Being watered down in so many ways. So verse 2 says, so I look for you in the sanctuary. To see your power and your glory. When's the last time we actually came to the sanctuary of God, walked in the door, and looked for the power and glory of God? Most of the time we walk in the door not expecting it. 
I remember years ago we were in a church. We were in a place where people were just did not like the preacher. They didn't like him at all. They didn't like anything he had to say. And boy, that was influential by the way that people walked around. They were talking about that preacher and they were telling him, man, he's just boring. He just doesn't have anything to say. And, you know, this place is boring. And man, I remember this friend of mine, I, I brought to church. And when I brought him to church, he goes, can you just feel the darkness in here? There's no joy in this place. Boy, it was just terrible that what he had to say. But I remember the first time I prayed, God, if there's anything that this man has to say, and he's speaking to me, help me to hear it. My goodness, I came out of that service on that Sunday, blown slam out of the water by the truth that this man was preaching and every Sunday after. And since that point forward, when I go to places, if they have, if there's a preacher going to be standing in a place, I'm saying, God, please relay the truth that this man is speaking to my heart and help me to pay attention to what is being said through the power of your Holy Spirit. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary. By the way, I'm seeking Jesus when I walk into the sanctuary. I'm looking for you there. I know I'm going to find the people of God there, but I go into the sanctuary seeking you to see your power and your glory. Why? Because your loving kindness is better than life. And because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. You want to see a grateful heart? You're going to be you'll see a grateful heart that is praising God. I was talking to you about this past Sunday, Christmas Eve on Sunday. We're in the beginning, right at the beginning of this service, and all of a sudden, we just start into this praise song. We sung this song thousands of times before, but we started this praise song, and all of a sudden, people started coming to their feet with this joy and this excitement and praising God, and a joy came to the house. What about it? What if it's you? What if it's you that your lips, praising God, will start a spontaneous movement of praise in the house of God? My lips shall praise you because your loving kindness is better than life. So I'm going to bless you while I live. I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to make sure because of the fact that my soul thirsts for you and you are my God that I'm going to live in your ways and by your ways. And nothing is going to budge me from that. And I don't care what culture says. I don't care if culture says, well, hey, you know, you can go ahead and do this, and it's okay with culture nowadays or whatever, you know, and this, that, and the other. Your word says opposite. And because your word says opposite, I'm sticking with your word. So I'm going to bless you. That means I'm going to be light in a dark world, and I'm going to cling to your light. And even when the dark world looks up and says, what are you clinging to that darkness for? I can look and say, this is actually light, and I know it with all of my hearts. I'll lift up my hands in your name. I will raise my hands to you. I'll do it because I'm looking toward you. I'm looking for you. I will raise my hands to you. I will lift my hands to reach for you. This is a big deal. And I'm going to do so because my heart is reaching out for you. My soul shall be satisfied just like it's satisfied with marrow and fatness, I'll be filled is what he's saying. My soul will be filled to capacity. I don't need anything else. Because of the fact of while I'm praising you and blessing you while I live and lifting up my hands to you and reaching for you in my name, that means my soul is going to be satisfied and satisfied in you unlike anything else. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Why, it's a big deal. Verse 6 says, I will remember you on my bed. I'm gonna, I'm, my mouth is going to praise you with joyful lips, and I'm going to remember you when I'm on my bed. I'm going to meditate on you in the night watches. When I wake up at night, I'm going to pray. As I'm going to sleep, you'll be on my mind. Boy, listen to me. When we go to sleep and Jesus is on our mind and we wake up and we pray to him because he's on our heart and we wake up in the morning what, and we go to meet him early in the morning, that's true love. That's true and genuine love. I promise you it is. I know it well. It's true. 
and genuine love. When you wake up in the middle of the night and he's on your mind. When you go to bed and he's on your heart. When you wake up in the morning and he's right there. That's genuine, true love from the core of your being. Because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I'll rejoice. Boy, there's a gratefulness. You've been my help. You've been my help in time of trouble. You've been my help in the moments. You've been my help when I was seized with fear. You've been my help when this world brought on because life is simply just hard in moments. And the whole world says, turn to this and turn to that and go here and do this. You've been my help. And because you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. And as my soul follows close behind me, behind you, your right hand upholds me. And what he's saying here is this. This is amazing. He's gone through all of this. You're my God. Here's who you are. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for you in the sanctuary. My soul thirsts for you. My soul longs for you. Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'll be satisfied. My mouth is going to praise you. I'm going to remember you on my bed at night. I'm going to meditate to you on my night watches. I'm going to meet you early in the morning. You've been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. And then finally, your right hand upholds me. All these things he's doing, but he says here, it's your hand that holds me up. I know it. I never forget it. My soul stays close to you. And I am who I am and taken care of the way that I am because of you. I started out this podcast. I did, really. And in this, I began to sort of talk about how to combat dementia and the things that are coming on. Talked about gratefulness. This is being grateful for God being in your life. And it's a reflection. By the way, this reflection found in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8 right here is contagious. It passes on to your children and those who are around you. It makes you light in a dark place. And we don't do it just because we're going to be light in the dark place. We do it because we love God. The love that we have for God and the fact that he satisfies our soul and the fact that he upholds us is so contagious to a dark world, a world that is literally crumbling in darkness in a dry and thirsty land. We bring water, living water that pours out of us and it pours out of our smile and it pours out of our encouragement in others. It pours out of our grateful hearts because of the gratefulness that we have for those who are in our lives. It pours out of us into the lives of others. You want to know how to make a difference in 2024? I encourage you today. Get into Psalm 63 for a few minutes. Make a pact with God. Honestly, today, find a place and pray and say, God, please, today, put a love in me for you like I've never had. Lord, today, help me. Set your word on fire in my soul in a way that it never has been. Help me to be a child of gratefulness and of grace for the days that are ahead. Lord, lift me out of a dry and thirsty land. Maybe you, you be the answer. You be the one thing that quenches my thirst. The only thing that does. Help me, Lord, to not want to reach for the darkness to satisfy my soul. But the satisfaction of my soul will only be found in your light and in you. As I love you. Lord, help me. To be excited to meet you early. That you be on my mind at the end of the day and throughout the night. As I truly love you.
with all of my heart, with a love like I've never known. Bring that to me in a new year. And as a result, help me to be that and teach that to others. I promise you it will change the world around you. I talked to you in the last hour about being influential in, the chil- in your children's lives. I'm telling you about who's going to be influential in yours. Jesus Christ will be influential in your life in a way you've never known. Get with the people of God. As they're praising God, you praise God. If you have to start the spontaneous movement of praise, you do it. Out of a genuineness of heart, be genuine and authentic with the joy that comes from the Lord Jesus. Finally, what happens when the day comes where I can't find this? What happens when a day comes I can't? Well, you know, it's amazing to me. I, I look at that, and there's a pattern that men go through. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. And it's kind of an amazing pattern, really. And I'm going to close it with this. It's, this is on my heart. It's found in the Beatitudes, and it begins with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the poor in spirit represents brokenness. In our state of brokenness in moments, and today if you're asking me, how do I come there? How do I get thirsty for God? I promise you in a state of brokenness, you will become thirsty for God. And this is the pattern that men come through. It says, blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are broken. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who weep, they're going to find Jesus there. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, those who are humble. So men go through brokenness, and in their brokenness, they weep. And in their weeping, they find humility. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then here comes the thirst. The broken and the weeping and the humility bring about a thirst for righteousness, a search for the truth. Because now a man's spirit is teachable in a way that it wasn't before. Your brokenness and our weeping and our humility in a dry and thirsty land bring about a thirst for righteousness in our souls. And it says they will be filled. Then it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Because the first thing that happens out of that, once we thirst for righteousness, is the place that brought us to that. We're not judgmental of anyone because we walked where they are and we're merciful. You'll find gratitude right there in that mercy. We found the mercy of God and we are grateful for the mercy of God. And so therefore we are merciful in the lives of others because of that. But it took the brokenness and the weeping and the humility to bring about the thirst for righteousness to get us to that mercy. And they'll obtain that mercy. Chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it comes down to it. There's the brokenness and the weeping and the humility and the search for this thirst for righteousness and the search for truth. Now you have a teachable spirit. On the, the byproduct of that is the fact that you're not judgmental. You're pure in heart as you're searching now because you've been broken to this point that that's all you want is Jesus. And you get to finally see God in the middle of it. And there's an innocence right there found right there once again. And a gentleness that is so precious. Our lives aren't cluttered anymore. Whatever it was that God used to bring us to that brokenness and that weeping and humility has now been moved away. And in our mercy comes this purity and the ability to see God. And once that happens, it isn't just that. They'll see God, but they'll see in a way that God will have them see. And that comes the next next verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we're broken and we're weep. We go through this humility. We're thirsting for righteousness, searching for truth in those moments. Mercy comes on our lives. And we are applying that in the lives of others. 
all of a sudden this purity of heart overtakes us that brings an innocence and a gentleness and lives that are not cluttered and we can see God. And now all of a sudden, all the things we were chasing after and all of the things and all of those things of darkness that we were reaching for, we're not reaching for that anymore. We're reaching for God. And in the reach for God, we see those around who are in the same kind of circumstances that we're in and we become peacemakers as we reconcile others to God. For they shall be called the sons of God. We go through brokenness, weeping, humility, searching for truth in our thirst for righteousness. We obtain mercy. We become pure to be able to have that innocence and that gentleness so that we can actually see God. Then we become the peacemakers of God. And then it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And about the time that we get to that point, here comes brokenness again. Here comes brokenness again. Because ladies and gentlemen, you were never designed to sit on the mountaintop. Because if you sit on that mountaintop, you'll think you've arrived. No. Persecution will come in some form. An attack will come on our faith. Some great loss will happen in our lives and we'll go back through broken and weeping and humility. And then finally, the thirst for righteousness all over again. We weren't designed to live in health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what the human spirit was all about. We were designed to go through these beatitudes. Men are broken and they're broken to the core so that they can see God They can see the things of God. They can know the mercy of God. They can reconcile others to God. And then they're broken all over again because life is just hard. And they go through this process, I don't know how many times, but many. And found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10, is the cycle of the human condition And it is. Psalm 63 is what happens when the soul thirsts for God. Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 10, tells what it takes to get us there and what happens after we do. 2024, listen to me as I say this. Lord, help us to see you. Pray that prayer. God, help me to love you in ways I've never loved you before. Help me to have a love for you that I never have. Help me to be someone for you in a way that I've never been. Lord, help me to lead someone to you. Help me to reconcile someone to you. Help me to have mercy in my life. God, help me not to miss. Help me to be light in a dark world. This is the way it happens. It's the call of God to our souls. It's the way we live. It's the plan. It's what makes life actually amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Because in our brokenness, we seek to find God. We thirst for him, and we do. And there's no greater joy than to watch someone else reconciled to God right beside us as well. Man, it's amazing. And that's where we are. It's 2024. You want to make a difference? Here's how it's done? Where are you today? That's the question. What is the desire of your heart? You're listening to Grounded. I'm your host, Scott Cates. I've got a question for you today. Are you willing to find your quiet place, wherever that is, on this New Year's Day, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, and get out in a place and say, Literally, just you and God, that quiet place, and say, here I am. Help me to love you more than anything else. There are a million New Year's resolutions that people make every year, I know. But I resolve today to have a love for you like I've never had. God, instill that in me. Whatever it takes, Lord, please help me to have that. Help me to thirst for you, Lord. Please, in my life. I want to know not only that you're here right with me, but Lord, 
I want to lay my head down and know you're with me at night. I want to wake up in the morning to you. I want to wake up in the middle of the night to you. And I want to live for you with each step of the day because I have a love for you. It's not your duty, ladies and gentlemen. It's not done out of duty. It's done because you have a love for Christ. And that is where I am today as I ask you these questions. And I'm not going to ask you to do things I've not done myself. This is my search. So today, I ask you this question. Of course, if you do not know Christ, his Savior and Lord, today you can know him. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you do not know Jesus as Savior, or you've questioned that, or you need to get that straight in your life, right now, stop where you are. Find a place where you can get on your knees if you can. If you're driving in your car, pray this. God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. By the way, he's the only one who can. Just pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Save me. Guide me. Help me to live for you. If you've been listening to this podcast today and your goal is to want to have a greater love for Jesus, stop right now and say that prayer. Lord, give me a greater love for you. Lord, pour out your word into my life. Help me love it. May it become a part of who I am as you become a part of who I am. Pour out your spirit in my life. Help me to be a person of great gratitude of mercy, of grace, and help me to be thankful for every moment of each day. I encourage you today, if you don't have a journal and you don't write, if you don't journal on a normal basis, start journaling. Write down the things that you're thankful for. Create a gratitude journal and do that. There, You can get those online, actually, and start in that process, the things that you're grateful for, but just start in the habit of being grateful. Get away from the negative world that is out there and the negative thoughts of those things and hold on to where God is moving in your life today and be thankful for not only just the great things that you feel like are amazing in your life, but also the things that are so hard. Thank the Lord for that because he's found in both. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for hanging out with me on the three-hour tour of this New Year's Day. And I hope your New Year's a great one. Next Monday, I'm excited. We'll go back to our just our first hour, and that's it uh, on Mondays. I hope you've enjoyed the tour with me. Looking forward to seeing you next Monday.